0: This is the end, the final countdown, the last one, the grand finale, whatever you want to call it. This is it. It's a big day. We're going to talk about comics today. I'm Teddy Deef. It's Playscape LA. Hey, everybody! Sorry it's been a while. Um, I moved. I moved to Canada. Um, this week is the final episode, officially, of Playscape LA. Uh, Our guest this week is gonna be Tyler J. Hutchison, who is a comic artist and a very good friend of mine, and a game maker at Glitch City. Um, man. I don't even know where to start. It has been crazy. Um... I am now in Montreal, Montreal. I'm learning a little bit of French as I go, uh, and I have left Los Angeles. Uh, I moved and I have started work. This is, I've already done a full week of work as creative director at Square Enix Montreal here, which I've talked a little bit about on previous episodes, but that is a whole different life that I am starting. Uh, If you hear an echo, that is because I'm in a big empty apartment. Uh, But it kind of lends like a grand hall sort of thing. Like as if I rented a big theater for you for our last episode together. Um, So I hope that it's doing some kind of vibe for you. I don't know. Um, So yeah, uh, I will get to Tyler and our conversation. But first, um, as I said, I have moved and I've already started work on a new project. It's now mid-June. It's been about whoa almost two and a half months since we released hyperlight drifter which is weird to say now i, I haven't been off of working full time on the project for very long really just a couple of weeks but um i guess two and a half months is almost a quarter of a year so that starts to sound like something that's significant um and i'm making games again uh I would say I tried to take about a month off in a manner of speaking, at least in terms of trying to reduce the intensity of what I needed to be doing on Hyperlight Drifter. And uh, I stopped all work on my side projects, uh, except for this, although technically it's been a couple of weeks. So I guess you could say I took a break from Playscape too. Um, but I'm very fortunate for a lot of reasons, but something that's on my mind a lot is burnout and motivation. And how thankful I am that somehow I'm okay. We went out on our own. We made an indie game. It took us two and a half years, and we released it uh I've been indie since full time since two thousand twelve so for me, it's coming up on four years that I did um full independent work, uh, not really taking a paycheck, although we did get um, pay to keep us alive from from Hyperlite. Um, so for me, it's the end of a four year journey of setting out to make a thing independently and learn and see what that was like. Uh, we founded Glitch City, uh, the workspace we work out of in LA. I met Alex and Beau and Casey and Sean and the the team that made Hyperlight Drifter heart machine. And now that's come to an end and I took a couple weeks off um and even then maybe I would say I took a week off uh because the past week I was moving uh which I guess is sort of a week off but is its own project for sure especially moving internationally. Um And yeah, like I said, I'm at work. I'm a little tired from the move, but I'm really excited for the next thing. I'm really excited for the next project that I'm doing with Square Enix Montreal. Uh, And I'm already teamed up with my my programming partner, Renaud Bedard, who uh, worked on Below with Cappy and uh, made Fez uh, with Polytron. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to make things. And that, I think, is a combination of fortune and, I hope, doing something right. Um, I definitely have struggled and still do with um, how to stay happy when working and how to deal with the fact that, that I, I don't know, yearn, is yearn a weird word to use? Yearn to work uh, and to make things very deeply. And for me, and at least for my values Right now, I'm I am thankful that that hasn't gone away. Uh, it's Saturday as I'm recording this, and after I do this, I'm gonna put it up, and then I'm probably going to practice some art or do something. I'm gonna keep making, and that's um. I think that anyone who makes something struggles with this, right? The how do you sit down and stay motivated? How do you uh, stay hyper motivated beyond? Um, what you might consider to be a, a normal work day or something. Uh, and for those of us that either um, can't just do a normal work day uh, out of a sense of like wanting to make more or um, can't because we work for someone else, you know, you work for someone else and then you you have to do your side work. So you do that at night. You're, you have to stay hyper motivated. You have to push against exhaustion. And... Um, feeling creatively blocked or uninspired or just feeling dealing with personal troubles and sadnesses and finding a way to like fucking sit down and put a pencil to paper or a stylus to Wacom or fingers to the keys um it's a scary thing and when you make a very big project a project that if you you know if you're fortunate enough to manage to get yourself paid to work on something that you love for a long time, um, or to make video games at all, which I think is a a great privilege. Um, I know many stories of people who burn out. Uh, That's come up on a lot of previous episodes. Uh, Austin Wintory mentioned uh, how oftentimes you don't hear from Oscar-winning composers again, uh, and maybe that's attributed to burnout, or maybe that's just attributed to them being done, but I don't want to be done yet. And I certainly, I mean, I certainly can't retire or anything. Like I need to work, but I don't want to stop making things yet. Uh, on a high level, that's like my value. And I'm really thankful that somehow that's still true on the low level, that I'm still hungry to do that. And I'm still excited to do that. So, you know, what does that mean or or how does that translate or what, what can I pull as a lesson from this? You know, what did I do right, I, I guess, or, or did I do anything Right. Um I guess I could say at least I didn't fuck it up. At least I didn't somehow destroy myself and uh I had to take off a couple years or something, you know. I managed to mitigate the the stress. Um And I think I you know, I think it's just I've I've learned to protect myself to uh to protect myself in a lot of ways, like um to try to, um, push aside things, learn to push aside things that, that steal your time. That's one thing, right? Because time is your most precious resource. It always is. And there are always going to be things that feel more pressing, uh, or feel like they must be done or they are demanding your attention. But the truth is that, um, when you are protective of your attention and your time and your minutes, uh, and you stop underestimating the amount of time that anything takes uh or at least gradually uh reducing the amount you underestimate because we all underestimate right um that's when where you start to find like almost efficiency i would say and, and maybe i'm talking out of my ass here but like i know that a few years ago i just had to do everything that came across my plate that's just how it worked so, like i took um and some of that served me well, right? Like I took every opportunity to do press for my game. I tried to go to every festival that I could afford to go to. Um, I tried to meet everyone that I could meet. And that that was good in some ways, but also like responding to every email, every business opportunity, every, every whatever to inquire, right? And there is a filter that starts to build up as you... Um, find what you love to spend your time on because you need to figure out how to f- fucking throw that other stuff in the garbage. And that's super hard to do. And it's hard to figure out how to build yourself a system by which you can ignore things or come back to things later uh, and not feel like completely unorganized. You know, there are emails that I get now that I would have responded to before that I've just um, learned to to delete Uh, which maybe is, I have like guilty feelings about, but that's kind of what happens, right? Like you're going to get a lot of messages and emails and phone calls in your life. And, uh, I know that I especially feel a lot of pressure to take those. Like I, I respond to messages. I just like, I'm a fast texter. Um, people who message me know I'm probably going to message back like within an hour or two. Um, because I just, I can't leave that unresponded to, but like having to stop responding to some business emails because either I can tell it's kind of a form letter and they're not going to be heartbroken if I don't respond, uh, or if it's just really wrong, you know, um, I have to protect my time and say like, Hey man, like, well not say anything, but say to myself, like, this is not an opportunity I want to pursue. Um, and it takes time to write anything at all. Um, and maybe this is an extreme example, but I think you get what I'm saying, right? Like, Every time you decide to uh, um, take on a side project or take a phone call to talk to someone or or play someone's game, these are all like investments, and I take them all still very seriously, and I try to do all those things. I try to play people's games and give them feedback. I try to um, see friends and hear about how they're doing in their lives. I try to uh, play games and read books and still work and... Um, Maybe I'm rambling, but you just got to protect your time. You got to protect your time because uh, that is what you use to get your work done. That is what you use to refill yourself and to fill your heart back up when it's spent or tired um, or unmotivated. What you pour into all of that is time and, and sure money and, and, and whatever else, but, um, yeah, man, uh, I don't, I don't, I guess I just say, uh, if if you want any of my insight on this at all, it is that um, if you're going to be work, if you want to work really, really hard, part of your job, part of your job is to be ruthless about your time management. And that doesn't mean that you can't relax. You just have to find ways to like be mindful of when you're relaxing. You have to plan that stuff out. That's part of managing your energy, right? I think so. I don't know. Th- these are just my thoughts. Um, this is the last episode. Um, I'll do a little wrap-up at the end, but I just want to say before I get into talking with Tyler that this has been an incredible project for me. It, it has taken more of my time and energy than I expected it to because, again, we always, we always overscope. But I am so grateful that I've gotten to do this. I am grateful to Idle Thumbs for um, bringing me into their fold and giving me uh, access to a bigger audience, I hope, um, than I would have otherwise. Uh, I'm grateful to every one of my guests for giving me a few hours between the scheduling and actually sitting down and talking um, and their willingness to open up uh, because I didn't want to have rote conversations. I didn't want to have... Boring discussions of biography. What I told, what I tell every guest on this show is, um, this is a show about your life as a creator and your personal process and um, how your life and your work fit together and what it means to you. And I'm not gonna, we're not gonna walk through your whole biography. We're not gonna talk deep design analytics of a video game we played recently. That's not what this podcast is about. This is about trying to give people a window into what it's like to do different things. Uh, in the industry of making video games. And I feel like there is a good mix. This is the 10th episode. 10 is uh, not a lot, but it certainly isn't a little when you consider that if you've listened to all of these, that's probably about, I don't know, 12 to 14 hours of your time. So I'm grateful to all of you for listening, even if this is the only one you'll ever hear, for uh, giving it a chance. And I hope that you've gotten something out of it. Anyway, I will sign off at the end. Let me introduce uh, my guest this week. My guest is Tyler J. Hutchison. Uh, Tyler is a comic artist. Uh, he is also a programmer. Uh, he is also making games. So he makes a comic called Die Homer, uh, which is a recreation of Die Hard, um, but with all the characters drawn as comic characters that he can draw from memory. Uh, so he doesn't like look up... Uh, References or anything, he just draws them from memory, and it's super funny. Um, he also does a thing called We Draw Comics, which is a site to let, sort of let people make comics together and make it a social experience instead of something isolating. Uh, and he's a member of Glitch City, the workspace that I, uh, I guess, I used to work at in Los Angeles. Um, he's making games. He's working on a VR uh, plugin right now for. Uh, I think it'll be in the Unity Asset Store. So he's runs the gamut. What I think is interesting about Tyler that you'll hear us talk about is that he is, in my opinion, a very talented and experienced programmer and also a very talented and experienced artist. And that is hard to find and hard to do. Um, And I I guess I do some of that myself. Like I'm a programmer and a designer and I make music and my art is garbage, I think. But I, I do that, too. But to me, Tyler has an expertise in both. He works basically, as far as I'm concerned, professionally in both. And that is um, fascinating. Always been fascinating to me that he can have the brain for both of those because I actually consider myself, like, I like programming, but I don't know that I have the, like, passion for programming. And he has a passion for both. He's so interesting uh, and a just a f- wonderful human being. Uh, he helped me move when I moved and has done some invaluable things for me to just help me deal with this uh this whole process of finishing a game and moving so he has my thanks and i'm really glad that we got to record this so i am happy that he will be the guest of this finale i hope you will listen and enjoy my conversation with tyler j hutchison I think Max swears. There's been like I've done like a few fucks. I'll throw like a few in.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna try not to swear though. Oh, you can do whatever but you, you like. Be the sailor. Does it
0: offend you if I swear? No,
1: not at all. Please swear. Okay. Um, I was. I gotta be honest with you. I was originally coming in here thinking that I was gonna pretend um, that we were live on the radio the entire time. Okay. And like I didn't understand how podca- podcasts work. And <laughs> uh, just be like, oh my god. Aren't, is, aren't isn't your listening audience going to be really upset <laughs> really does offended. the FCC allow this uh but I, I I know how podcasts work
0: good fine well fine yeah. okay. whatever sorry
1: scenes we we're we talking can about just,
0: scenes no we can just keep I'm gonna move you back boom okay okay, okay. we're so good at this um no because like you because you know a lot about I mean like it's funny like you're doing games now and like VR stuff but also you're, like, a more legitimate programmer than most video game programmers I know, at least in, like, background, and also, like, you know, comics and stuff?
1: I mean, maybe in the indie community. Uh, sure. Because I think there's, that's, like, yeah. a very grassroots place of people just being mm. like, ah, well, I gotta learn to program in order to make video games. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, uh, which I think is awesome, and I admire greatly, but I wouldn't say I'm, like... <laughs> I don't consider myself a more legitimate programmer than, like people making okay. games because that's like whatever you need to do to get the job done no, but that's yeah.
0: right. i was not yeah i would not shit on the entire community of <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: I'm, but yeah well, i have a background as yeah. a software engineer
0: Some, you know sometimes it's less about like uh it's not so much about skill that i mean it's more about like i'm not saying you're good at what you do oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no it's less about skill and it's more about like um, style of programming because mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. and and this is probably not this is probably untrue for like deep engineers at, on very big teams but particularly in indie stuff and in small teams like you program it like kinda as good like pretty rough and like you're not really sure if it works and like I've worked with like like when I work with Adriel sometimes because she my my our friend Adriel Wallach like yeah yeah used to do like set like satellite programming okay and that's like if the code if a line of code is off like it crashes into alabama and then someone dies sure. like yeah game programming' this... is like oh we'll find it if there's a bug
1: yeah oh no there's a like something i messed up the code in this game well who cares <laughs> uh or like well i'll just try six different lines of code and see if this works yeah it's, yeah game feels very much uh i believe the term is uh cowboy coder mm-hmm. um oh is it, that the it, in in um software engineering uh uh-huh. like the Oh, that's There's like a style cowboy coder is definitely like a term for someone who is undisciplined in their programming style. Uh, okay. so that they, it gets the job done mm-hmm. and it may not always be the most flexible or reusable mm. code, but it's was the fastest, most direct. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that style works great for games. Um, particularly small projects because it's like that it's interesting and and, uh i have actually learned a lot by just seeing Mm. i had never even imagined that this was a way that people programmed uh in games (laughs) but then seeing people just being like well i don't really care about the underlying Mm. hood because what's really important is the game, yeah. and that's been really kind of eye-opening oh, to just cool. be like, oh, I admire that kind of in a way. Um, it, it's
0: cool. It works with video games a lot, too, because like there's a whole dynamic that I think is probably different than some than software development of, like, uh, we're not really sure how this is going to feel in practice. Yeah. So it's like, well, it's kind of the same as the code. It's like, I'm not sure how this is going to run in practice, but it doesn't really matter, because we'll just try it out. There's a lot of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it feels very... Um... Let's
0: see what happens. Uh Uh-huh. What about... So, the other thing that I think is really fascinating that, like, is cool that you're doing indie game stuff now is that, like, you're both, like, a really... Like, a really strong background in programming and also, like, you do comic stuff. And that's very, like, only people on small video game teams or, like, indies or, or whatever, like, get to do, like, I am a programmer and also I am an artist or I can, like, do this suite of things.
1: Yeah, it seems like a perfect marriage. Um... Maybe for games, Maybe. I, I would hope so.
0: Well, where did, when uh, did you pick each of those up? Like, were you one of those first, or that are they always kind of been two things that you're interested in?
1: Uh, I mean, there certainly have always been two things. I think I was pretty interested in mm-hmm. um, since like, you know, the age of, uh, I'm gonna go with like six or seven.
2: Mm.
1: I knew I wanted to like make. I want to make video games when I grow up, oh, kind okay. of thing. Uh, I mean, there was also the option of like, I want to be a Ghostbuster. <laughs> Which
0: but depending on where you're living, might be more viable. Yeah,
1: right? may or may not be a viable option. Um But also at the same time, I I as a child, mm-hmm. I grew up in a very um artsy craftsy home. Okay, so my mom was a teacher, and she but she also was like an artist. Uh so mm-hmm. we'll, we were constantly like painting or drawing it was a very encouraged pursuit in my household uh so i also always wanted to be like i want to draw comics or i want to be an animator or Hmm. uh, i want to grow up to be an artist uh and i never i think i never quite decided picked like just one Hmm. um and it really wasn't until i was kind of like in high school and maybe my uh junior senior year that I even bothered to really focus on both and like started to actually care about like learning to program um and maybe draw taking drawing a little more seriously rather than just being like oh yeah of course I would sit and draw like x-men fighting each other as like a pastime Uh, now you want to draw like x-men fighting each other with proper body yeah like I want to learn how I want to learn how anatomy actually works rather than just like um like tracing some mm. Todd McFarlane drawings, <laughs> uh, which is, I would say credit where credit is due. I definitely did my fair share of like copying drawings of Spawn and Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> in high school. But uh, So when
0: did you, so so like, like, I've only known you, like, I know to my knowledge, most of your background has been in, in both like software programming and in comics. And, like, your, your video game history is more recent, right? Like, that's something, like, when you joined Glitch, was that, like, kind of your early foray into trying to do career video game stuff? Or had you Yeah, that
2: was very,
1: yeah. Um, well, sort of. Mm. Uh, when I first uh, left college, a few friends of mine and I, we kind of put out a single iPhone game and worked oh. on a game. Cool. Um, and then quickly realized, like, oh, we put a lot of work into this. This did not, like, th- yeah. this is a non-viable life choice at the moment. Yeah, well, I'm always uh, curious
0: about that because, like, I I feel like a late bloomer slash, like, transfer student, quote, I'm doing finger quotes, into mm-hmm. games because, like, I didn't start pursuing games professionally till I was, like, 24 or something like yeah i had my share of like other stuff i did so i'm that that's the context which
1: i'm asking uh, yeah uh professionally doing game stuff this is probably my first big foray into it uh prior to that i had worked with a creative company before mm. um and i was developing apps that mm-hmm. were sometimes gamey, but it it was the the for the most part it was like oh I'm just a general app, generalist app
0: software yeah, okay. engineer and that yeah um, you were doing that outside of like what maybe the game community or something
1: yeah very, like these were things like oh a large corporation they had an idea for an app mm-hmm. which is like they want to make a video game but it's not a game it's basically just an advertisement yeah. uh, I believe the term is shovelware <laughs> um, so that was like and it was like oh well. That, it's like I'm making a game. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I get to make a game. It's, uh, not necessarily like something yeah. that I'm going to want to play or that anyone will actually want to play because it's has a very small budget. It has a very small time frame. but like someone at an ad at like some executive at a corporation somewhere is like, we need to have an iPhone game. Yeah.
0: Well, um, it's funny. Like I, my first jobs out of college, my first job was in advertising mm-hmm. in New York. And like, it was the same sort of thing. Like our clients would be like starting to get interested in like, could we make like a game or something? Yeah. And it's funny, like in those corporate environments that I'm sure, you know, like the amount of money that gets thrown at stuff that you would think is really cheap is like insane. Like, yeah. Like doing, we would do like magazine ads and just like the printing things in color, high quality, and then shipping them overnight over and over and over. Like you're spending like thousands of dollars all the time on this yep. stuff. So the idea of like, oh, we just need to pay like one software developer or like an artist is like, oh my God, we have so much money that we're just throwing at this stuff.
1: Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's an interesting place to be in. <laughs> yeah. Um so what is that like for you? Like because
0: I know so I know of like what you do now because you work at Glitch City, mm-hmm. where where we did Hyperlight and where I've been up until Tuesday when I leave forever.
2: Uh, uh, ah.
0: But um But, like, I know sometimes you're doing, like, you recently did, like, a piece for a gallery show. Like, you're doing, like, a a painting or illustration or whatever you want to call that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then sometimes you're coding and stuff. Like, I don't really do that. Like, I'm more, like, either design or code. And sometimes I dabble in art, but it's not, I don't, like, I'm not as deeply uh, informed as you are on that. So I'm curious, like, how the process feels different to you between those two being so seemingly so different.
1: They are, I mean, there's some similarities, I think. There's also some big differences. Uh, I think one of the biggest differences between the two of them is the soundtrack that I can listen to while performing either of those actions. Um, Um, If I'm programming, I need to have absolutely no um, spoken words in any music that I listen to. So it has to be like, or it could be foreign like I can listen to mm. I can listen to vocals, but mm. they can't be in English. It will ruin my entire like ability to concentrate.
0: Okay, I'm the same way when I program. Yeah,
1: so I have to have like electronica or jazz or like just soundtracks. Mm. Soundtracks are great to program mm-hmm. to. You feel real cool. Top three work soundtracks. Uh oh boy. Um Tron uh-huh. Legacy. Tron Legacy, huh? Um The Social Network is a really good uh, programming soundtrack. What else do I like? Um Have you done have you done Book of Eli yet? No. Ooh, recommend. Oh, uh Nausicaa. Really? I, liked Na- I like I like Noska. Oh, and uh, the Akira soundtrack. Really? Oh, the Akira soundtrack oh, is fuck. nuts. That's great. Uh when the clown song comes on, yeah. I'm just like,
0: yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry, go on. So, different music.
1: Uh different music. When I'm drawing or like inking, I could just like listen to podcasts or whatever. And it doesn't matter. Cause it's just like, it's a different type of like more visual reaction. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I do not do digital art. Mm. Uh, and that's important to me. I think because I spend so much time in front of a computer anyways, ah. that a lot of times when I am making comics or anything like that, I, it is done traditionally because that's an escape. Um, and it's for me, especially since I started working at Glitch City, is something that I've done less and less of uh, hmm. just due to getting more involved in certain projects. It's busier. Yeah. Whereas uh, it, I I know it's something that benefits me to do it, to be like, okay, I'm going to take like an hour or two hours and sit down and flex this muscle
2: mm-hmm. that
1: makes my life better yeah um but it it becomes less it it almost is like feels like exercise at some points where it's like oh you should really do some drawing like it'll make you feel better Mm. after you've done it Uh, that's
0: funny yeah like i'm the same way i became the same way with music where like my instinct or at least i had an opposite instinct which is like oh i want to like tinker and i want to get into like ableton and i have like and work with MIDI and do arrangements. And I used to do that because I went to music school, but now I find more what you're saying that like, I need to get off, like I need to play guitar.
1: It's nice to unplug.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or even if I record it just to like, stay the fuck off of not be like programming music, basically. (laughs) It's like, this starts to feel a lot like making video games when you're like assembling compositions. Yeah. It
1: gets too close. Yeah. Uh, And also I am not good at digitally coloring things. It seems like it'd be really different. I don't, I, I don't understand how it works. I see all these people who are great digital artists and they can just get beautiful colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't, I'm so, I'm so bad at it. Cause it's like, um, you have to like really know what color you want. I think cause mm-hmm. you can't, you can't mix them yeah. from like the colors you've already used, which is how I understand colors is like, I know you can just like, I'll be like, oh, I need a green. And I've already used like this color red and like this shade of uh yellow, and I've used this color blue. And I okay. just like cool, I'm just gonna take some of this, this, and this, and then like make a green out of that, and I know that this will hmm. fit in because it's coming from the same palette. Uh because I've you I've been using these colors. Yeah, um, but then with digital stuff, like you don't i at least i'm sure someone knows how to do this digitally but i don't and i don't know how to like build palettes digitally mm. um without because i just like can't mix the colors in my head i need to like yeah i know what you mean i need to like be able to be like i take two scoops of the blue color i mixed up and then one scoop of the red is and it I more mix like together
2: i
0: man i don't know because i mean again like the only art i do is 3d like i do modeling but mm-hmm. like it seems like it would feel kind of like switching to like pen instead of pencil where it's like, you have to kind of know exactly what you want as you're doing it. Is that kind of what you mean by like
1: in the color selection? Uh, maybe a little bit. I, th- I, I'm not really sure. Cause okay. I mean like it's, a piece, but you're guessing, it's, yeah. a, it's digital. So like you can always just like change things on the fly. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I guess I just don't have like that good sense of, 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 Yeah, being able to choose colors from a color picker. Yeah. um, Or, and I don't have the patience to (laughs) choose a color and then compare it to all the other colors and, like, tweak it to whatever color, you know, I I want it to be. Because for me, it's just so much easier. It, like, it's just, like, a given Mm. when mixing colors physically that, like, oh, these are the colors I've chosen and mixed up. And if I need to make a new color, I just...
2: Right, choose right, right, colors right.
1: that i've already used as my primary uh, things and then can make whatever from that and it's gonna work because it'll be in that palette I know, sure. um like it, it inherently will tie itself into yeah. the painting um,
0: what about so can i I'm, I'm curious about this and you can say as much or as little as you want about it but like in terms of how you split and i know that like especially with games like programming and art are all involved together but since it seems like some of your background is like they they have been more different like different pursuits different professions sort of like how is the split in terms of like where the money to survive has come from for you and also (laughs) like what your group of friends
1: is yeah okay so
0: money first
1: money first yeah um for what do you mean though? Like, what do you mean by split? Like, how much time do I put towards making money? I mean, like, how much? Like, what pays
0: the bills for you? What has paid, and has that changed over time in like doing comic or art pursuits ah, okay. versus software stuff? Okay,
1: okay. so making comics mm-hmm. uh, earns you negative a hundred dollars every year, <laughs> about, um, be- like any money that you can potentially make in comics you'll probably ultimately like end up losing as well just based on like printing and Mm. doing things or like tabling at conventions or flying to different places um it's unless you are particularly great at i think merchandising and getting yourself out there and selling things like Mm. it's for which is not what something I'm good at. I'm mm. all about, like, I made a story, and I want to share it with people. Is um, that, like, more indie comics, then? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, everything I'm doing is indie comics. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I've done...
0: You're not, like, doing inking for the new <laughs> Superman.
1: Deadpool? Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, that's, like, no one's... I mean, if you've read my comics... Mm-hmm. Marvel's not exactly beating down at my door to be like we got to get this guy. Uh they're pretty they're pretty off the wall. Uh are compared- not on brand for Marvel. I'm definitely not on brand. I'm I'm pretty out there for uh what major comics publishers are doing. Mm-hmm. Um I've done like some comic work. Uh you know, it's like, oh, I d- I did a cover for a thing and that made me like Two hundred and fifty dollars, um, mm. which is not. Uh, I th- think that's I've here that's a, an okay rate, uh, mm. but I'm also not like the amount of effort I put into that was exhausting compared to like what the um, the money I made on it because uh, I probably yeah. put a lot of hours into that compa- And then if ultimately the the amount of time it takes me to make comics, if I were to calculate like dollars earned per hour for the amount of hours I spend in making comics, I would cry myself to sleep every night. <laughs> um, so and I, I don't necessarily think that's indicative of being able to make money in comics. So mm-hmm. much of it is, is indicative in me understanding how to monetize comics mm-hmm. and make money for myself in that business. So I'm not a business savvy person. And doing is, independent work, I mean. Yeah. Um, I did do very well in financing a book and running a Kickstarter for a comic, mm. but ultimately that money is being spent or has been spent on making comics and prizes or rewards and, like, shipping and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: it's not so, really
2: income. That's yeah, all business. Yeah, I, I
1: didn't go out and get to buy, like, a, a kiddie pool and then fill it full of money and swim around in it. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Uh, it's like, oh, cool! I made the good. I made a successful Kickstarter and made money, and now I have to spend all this money on stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, and as far as making money goes, like I still do freelance software engineering. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. ultimately has made me lots of money. Mm. Uh, you can charge a high rate for that. People need it. There's like it's. There's always a demand for someone who needs something programmed mm-hmm. um and i i still freelance and do that just to to get by um with yeah. stuff so the, there is kind of a final balance as well as as being like okay if i work this long on a project for freelance then that frees up this many weeks or months that i can spend on pursuing video games again yeah. or pursuing comics again or, or doing whatever do you have any sort of like in the last
0: year or whatever or at least in like the mode that I've known you in like do you have any sort of schedule or breakdown in terms of like how much time you're spending a week or how many weeks a month you're doing like software engineering contracting versus game stuff versus some comic work like how's that been breaking down for you
1: um yeah it it varies just project to project so <laughs> if I know a client if I get a contract and I know a client is okay with things um not being immediately done Mm.
2: Uh,
1: or that you know someone's time frame so you know like what's your expectation um and I think it all also comes down to just being like hey here's how many hours I think this project will take here's how many hours I can devote to it you know weekly so here's kind of like your your time frame you your for it yeah, yeah like this project will only take 80 hours so like yes i could devote all of my time to this and have it done in two weeks but i have other things so here's yeah. a more realistic schedule of what 80 hours is going to work out to be this is more like uh, a month and a half i've done before, you know uh yeah and i, I don't necessarily have like an equi- a rigorous equation that i follow of like of course tuesdays are always well I sometimes do like, yeah, some people are like that. Some people like want this day is for this project. And this day Um, is for this. So I've been working on this VR project with Edwan. Mm -hmm. And with that, I've been very, we've been very kind of rigid just because we're collaborating. So it's like, Mm. okay, Mondays and Wednesdays are uh, Edwan VR project days. And then I've been using like Tuesdays and Thursdays to do contract work. And um, Fridays are kind of like a toss up. So some days it'll be like, cool, I'm going to go into Glitch City. Usually I go, I'll go into Glitch City just to either try and do contact contract work or I'll work with Edwan, but it kind of is uh, the, um, uh, how's it go? The squeaky wheel. its the grease. grease. Yeah. yeah. So it's like if if I show up and Edwan's working on a problem, he's like, hey, I, I'm trying to get this thing done. I'm like, cool, let's do this. Let's do yeah. Uh, but if not, it's like, oh, I'm going to. I got I to gotta get this painting done for a gallery show. Uh, how, did, how does...
0: So I did, like... I mean, so I'm more of a cowboy programmer. Okay. Like, <laughs> I studied programming in college. I got a degree in it along with my music degree. But, like, then I immediately forgot all of it. <laughs> like, when I, because I went into advertising. I just did sure. no code. And I wasn't really doing games. And I didn't like software development. So I had no outlets. So it's like any language, spoken yeah. or computer. I just lost it. And then when I relearned it, I learned it, like, totally cowboy style. But um that is to say like when i finished grad school and started doing indie games full time like i did some uh contract work that ended up being like a mix of game design and programming but i was doing a lot of like contract code stuff yeah and like i don't know this what's interesting to me is that you have like you have like an academic background in programming like you did research on that yeah right (laughs) that's like interesting so like when you do contract work like does that Does that feel like paying your dues or like doing the labor so that you can do the fun stuff? Or do you get do you manage to get like enrichment out of doing that sort of thing? How does it feel relatively?
1: You know, it kind of depends. So sometimes it is very enriching. And especially if it's a new project that doesn't have an existing structure to it. And then I just get to architect it and build it. And it's like, cool, I'm going to build some, I've never had to think about building, uh, an invoice system for I don't, gummy bears or something. Um, it's, it's like, but this seems novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's all the specificities that apply to invoicing for gummy bears. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's kind of rewarding to be like, Oh, I've never even had to think about this problem here, mm. but it's very similar to these other problems. And I know how to do this. Mm. Uh, I do also think there's something rewarding in working in a existing code base that is not Um, (laughs) well-maintained, and this, I think, comes down to a secret passion of mine, uh, which you may or may not have heard me talk about things, but I'm like super into refactoring code, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. and, so, and like patterns and like, I'm a big Martin Fowler guy. Uh, who, who's Martin Fowler? He wrote the book. On, he's like, mm. he's kind of like the, the evangelist of refactoring. Um, so I, I, while at times I secretly hate like messy, gross code, I also love, Working in a code base that has gross code, and there's something extremely satisfying about being like, "Here's 300 lines of code. Highlight, select, delete. Because mm. I just wrote a method that mm. does all of this and handles it properly in 10 lines of code. Yeah. Um. So there, there's something like real satisfying about being able to go in and fix things that are very inherent like super broken or like just running on a wing in a prayer does Um, that feel more like
0: um oh no you can get further away sorry um does that feel more like rewarding in the moment because like to me that reminds me of like sorting books or like cleaning up like when i refactor so refactoring for people don't know is like rewriting code to make it more efficient or smarter or just generally more like better organized yeah better engineered for the future um to me that's like very rewarding in the moment but for me personally like i don't go home at night and be like oh yeah like i'm doing like i won't look back on that and be proud of it in the same way like just for me i did some
1: good today <laughs> yeah well you know what i
0: mean like i'm i'm these days i'm more compelled by like the stuff i do that is more like people facing that's because that's like very thankless
1: yeah work it uh i don't I, I, you know, I've had a lot of thoughts about this. Um, For me, it is extremely satisfying. Um, And I sometimes get really sad about it because Mm. there will be times uh, when I'll look at it, I'll be like, oh, here's this problem. And I came up with this beautiful, elegant, clever way to solve it. Mm. And I'm like, this is awesome. I feel so great. This feels, there's something so cathartic about like, fixing this Mm -hmm. Um, and no one will ever share in this beauty (laughs) with me. Um, And I think about that sometimes a lot, knowing that there's, there are definitely other programmers that are doing the same thing that are writing lines of code that if I read them, I'd be like, Oh, this is great code. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's something weird and sad and I I think about that of like no one will ever appreciate this or there are people who will appreciate this but they're so niche Mm. and far removed and the likelihood of them ever viewing things like this or like no one's gonna maybe somewhere far in the future like these code fixes will be put in a gallery and when everyone has learned the language of what good programming is people will think and ponder and pontificate I'm <laughs> like, Oh, what a brilliant idea. I mean, uh, that makes me think
0: about like different reward cycles in general. Mm-hmm. So we do a thing that I don't know if I've mentioned the podcast before, but like on Fridays we do this thing called show and tell at glitch city, which is like end of the week. Everyone shows what they've worked on and it's not a critique. People just look at it and they just like applaud for each other. Basically and you get to show off what you did. And like, that's an example of something where like you'll do something small And like, maybe it's going to get, especially with games, maybe that work is going to be thrown out in a few weeks or like, you're going to redo it, but there's a reward cycle for that. That's like somewhere in the middle. Like, it's not like, it's not like a line of code you wrote that you're really proud of. It's something more showable. Yeah. And then, but way above that is like stuff you release, like, oh, I released a comic or I released a game and people played it. Like, and then you can look back in 10 years and be like, oh, I did something that like, maybe, that maybe meant something to someone. But then as you work your way down, like whatever you show at show and tell, like, is rewarding and it rides you for you get to ride that for like a week or two that yeah. that high or a day or however long that lasts for you
1: uh yeah i mean there's there's definitely that uh yeah. i think that's it's one thing i do love about show and tell in that it is kind of it's, it's a little like an outlet for that because sometimes mm, mm. i'll have show and tells Well, be like well here's this thing and like <laughs> look what i did yeah. i i like I, it's not very impressive to see it function mm on screen like nothing is terribly impress- impressive is going on but like here's the code and here's here's how it's working and what it's doing um you know i remember writing like this uh some code that would like auto generate mario super mario world style maps mm. and i could i set it i kind of built like this tool that would just really auto generate all these things that I wanted to do and set up all the pathing and animation and I was so psyched about it and like the end result is that you get a screen that looks very close to (laughs) the the map levels in Super Mario World which is ultimately not super impressive um because everyone's seen how that works everyone Mm -hmm. who played Super Nintendo is like oh yeah cool Um, and they look at it and they're like well I could have made this in my game and just like Hard coded it all in and put in all these animations by hand yeah, yeah. um so that like you someone could get to that example in an entirely different way just by like doing it yeah. in the simplest way it's uh, so, it's but of, i was okay. so proud to be like but i made code that does it for me so i never have to worry about it um that's that
0: yeah it's sort of like you were talking about, about like knowing that other programmers are out there doing that and like relating on that level it's like a little bit more direct where you're like i want you guys to come with me on a journey yeah where i explained to you why like i remember i did that once i showed like i made like an autocomplete implementation in Hyperlight, so that our editor like you could type it start typing in the name of like a level or a sprite that you wanted to load and it would like give you all the it would list all the options sure and like the code ended up being like two lines but it took me like half a day to yeah. like do right yeah, yeah. like
1: let me, I, let me tell you why this is great by and the time you... i
0: spent like two days fixing a memory leak and i was like i changed this line Here's this one thing'
1: here's where it went bad yeah. yeah uh yeah, and there there's some there's definitely something rewarding about being able to share that mm. uh which I have found ext- it's like so nice to be working in a community of programmers or people who can at least like whether or not they're like super crazy programmers uh it just that there's people at glitch city who can view that and appreciate that and be like, whoa, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, that's like the um,
0: cool thing about games is that like once you start doing it, even if you're not a programmer or an artist yourself, you come to appreciate the work that goes into it because you see people doing it.
1: Sure. And you get to, uh, you eventually understand how much work goes mm-hmm. into games, uh, which I think is huge because there's a lot of work that goes into games. Um, I re- I remember like not realizing that when I was maybe like a freshman or sophomore in college and just being like, well, I made this pong demo in like a day. Why does it take so long to make games? Um, Well, like,
0: so, but what's interesting too, is that then, so you can find, I think it's cool that you can find reward in that. Like I try to find reward in that, especially during like the final months or whatever of hyperlight where it's like, I'm just optimizing and fixing bugs. There's nothing sexy that I'm doing. I can't show you any new cool explosions or whatever. Like, yeah, I need someone to appreciate this. But you also, like, have had experiences in the recent future, recent past that are, like, you did the Kickstarter for the printing of Die Homer. And then, like, you get to, like, see, like, direct interaction with fans of something that you created that's very much more, like, consumer-focused, audience-focused. Like. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Like, how do you think about all that? Do you—what drives you? I mean, that is a, a totally different type of weird high— um, I, I, I don't, I like, I don't know how to describe it, but it, then something I was, uh, very unprepared for to see huh. this kind of like outpouring of people being really excited about a project, uh, that I, I was working on. Um, and it, it's different. Um, in, in that I initially always made comics as a reward to myself. Hmm. Um, and, I think once Die Homer kind of got some traction. So I originally had released uh, the first half of it as like a mini comic at a convention and Pete, like it sold out uh, very quickly. Um, And there was definitely some like real drive to be like, Oh, Whoa, people really responded to this. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. And I I came back like really excited to make more. Uh, But then And maybe this is just me, but like I started writing pages and doing things and I noticed myself um, editing myself a little more than I would. Hmm. Uh, I was holding myself up. Um, It wasn't quite as much of a free flowing exercise as it had originally started to be because now there is that little bit of pressure there to like make sure the second half of this is as good as the first half. And uh, I I really started to doubt myself or like, it almost diminished the confidence that I had going into that work. So like when I was making Die Homer, I was just like going for it. Cause I was like, this is dumb and funny. And this is kind of, uh, this is really more of an, almost like an exercise of like teaching myself a little bit more about storytelling and storyboarding. And, um, Kind of minimal minimizing a story to like its bare bones Um, because obviously taking a two hour movie like Die Hard and um, turning it into a 60 page comic, you need to really focus on like what's important. Um, Well, and even like
0: the drawing characters for memory things almost feels like an exercise at first. That is
1: what was 100% an exercise in speed of mm. just being like I don't want to have to sit and when when I do my own comics like if I have a new character then I have to like go through the process of like designing that character or mm-hmm. like thinking about how that character moves and feels and talks and things like that whereas just taking something from memory of being like well how would I draw Homer screaming I was like okay who cares <laughs> like um it, it Uh, It was, that was more of a tool of letting me focus on what I wanted to focus on, which Mm. was shots and storytelling and like moving frame to frame, um, rather than getting lost in like world design or background design or any of that stuff, Mm. which is also why I think looking at a film like Die Hard was great because then I never had to think about like, where is this being set? Oh, Here's an example of, like, I already know what the setting is. I just need to, like, Mm. think about how I want to draw it and frame it. Um, I don't even need to, like, think about writing the overarching plot of this story. I can just focus on the things I want to focus on and focus on, like, writing jokes and dialogue that, you know, because I I didn't do a particularly great job or dogmatic job of following the story of Die Hard. (laughs) Took some liberties... (laughs) Um, but there's, there's something very nice about being able to turn off all of those parts that I would normally be worrying about in comics and be able to just focus on the exercise Mm. that this really was, which was like more of a storyboarding exercise almost, or just like getting things done
0: that reminds me of like something that I've heard like Brennan Chong or Ben Esposito talk about when it comes to making indie games mm-hmm. and something that we learned later on in Hyperlight because we were a little obsessive at first but like that what you're doing is picking your battles when you do indie stuff yeah because like in a bigger project if there is a person to focus on every little detail and the truth is on smaller stuff like if you focus on every detail you're never going to get it done or it'll take you five years sure um and so it's like, well, you just either you like make these four elements of the game or the comic like b- boilerplate or decided for you or you're not doing any creative work and you pick like the two things that you're going to do that yeah. are like your things. It sounds like really similar.
1: It, it, I think it is very similar. Yeah. Um, yeah have, I honestly it, doing Die Homer, uh, I think really made me grow as an artist and and gain a lot of confidence in in what I was doing. Um, and I would recommend something if any, if you want to make comics and you, you know, know are the type, type of person who's like, ah, oh, I have all these great stories I want to tell. And I, uh, I end up getting through six pages of it and then getting stuck on something like that's the, and I think there's a lot of people who probably start out that way. Hmm. Uh, lots of young, lots of comic artists who probably have like 300 page comics and they get six pages into it, you know, like. It's a problem. I, I think yeah. it works the same with games, right? Like being able to give yourself a map to follow mm. and start small and have an end in sight. uh, is a really great way to grow. Um, and die Homer was a way for me to do that in comics. I think it's similar if it, in your make, if you're making games, uh, pick a clone, like do a clone of something, mm. And then focus on the things you want to focus on. Uh, you know, if you want to do a, a Tetris clone, but what if Tetris had, uh, I don't know, like Mario Kart style power-ups? Mm-hmm. Or, or what if Tetris had like a, a gun mechanic? I don't know. Please yep. don't make these games. No, um, I play that. Or please do and send them to, like show them to me when you finish them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's a great way to start into things is like hey this has a very discrete set of requirements and it uh has an end in sight and it's probably attainable yeah and those are ultimate that's ultimately going to be a way bigger um accomplishment mm. than starting something and never finishing it
0: doing yeah, like five panels of a grand story that you want to try. yeah five
1: yeah. panels of your 300 page <laughs> fantasy sci-fi epic uh which as someone who has started many a 300 page fantasy sci-fi epic in my youth um by all means do it if you think you're going to be the one who does it their first shot like don't let me t- stop you from gonna doing be the that. next
0: george R R comics
1: yeah george, yeah uh george railroad comics don't let me stop you from being the person who does that uh yeah. i have a, f- a friend evan dom who has made like several 400 page mm. plus fantasy epic comics and he's amazing but i very much consider him an outlier mm. um
0: do you attribute that to just like some obscene amount of focus or something or is it just like or obsession or like
1: uh, with evan i have no idea mm. i mean like we've had conversations about it before i i know very much i think it was like his one goal in life like his childhood dream was he wanted to like tell stories uh in the vein of J.R.R. Tolkien and be able to do that and he I think he just is the type of guy who had the discipline and he started it out with a comic called Rice Boy and uh it worked out for him
2: mm-hmm.
1: that being said though I'm sure if you asked Evan like hey did you uh ever try starting like any other previous comics before that he probably has um but um, uh, you know as far as i know his first right. first thing his very first try was that he came out with rice boy yeah
0: um no that happens to, i mean that happens to everybody like that happens to m- that happens to me in games where people think Hyperlite's my first game yeah that happens to alex where Hyperlite is his first game but he worked for a decade or more you know on his craft you know? yeah yeah um everyone has like a thousand fuck-ups well so what's funny is like i think that never goes away that whole thing of like picking what you're going to focus on because as I see people around us who make like really good indie games or whatever they're making on their own like it's just that like there's this floor there's this baseline of like here's the stuff I'm not going to pay attention to like Mm -hmm. the stuff you're talking about that's like I'm going to just rip this from stuff I know or whatever like and that's not where I'm going to fight my battles I'm going to fight my battles on framing or on this one mechanic or on like the you know whatever but like all that still all that travels upwards together as you get better like as your craft gets better to me i feel like um as you get better at the stuff that you're focusing on because that's your specialty and it pulls higher and higher up in quality you see the gap and it starts to bother you like this happens to me all the time like yeah you see the gap for the stuff that you're not focusing on but you can tell that it's bad and so that starts to pull up too and you always have to pick your battles because like even like like i got to a point where like game feel is not my specialty but i've mm-hmm. done it i mean I like i did the dash for hyper Life, but Beau did most of the combat and stuff um but even i like i'll look at a kickstarter for a game that's happening and i'll be like oh it looks like it feels so terrible i hope they fix that like yeah and that's not even my thing you know
1: yeah it's like but i learned about this via yeah there's i i think i i recommend it to anyone starting out like mm. don't it's awesome to be original. And if you can do that, go for it. But also it's not bad to just like start out small and, Mm uh, focus or, or I don't want to say copy or bar like borrow, but like, it's okay to like, um, take the easy way of doing something. Uh, you don't have to reinvent the wheel for everything. Uh, you know, you're making a platformer like, it's okay to try and copy Mario at that. Like, yeah. it's okay to try and copy the feel of Mario because guess what? A, you're probably not going to get the exact feel of Mario your first shot. Like, those guys worked real hard on, like, tweaking that. Uh, so if you do, kudos to you. Um, yeah. But it's also, like, yeah, just, like, this. this language has really been established, mm-hmm. so it's okay to, like, start from there rather than having to completely...
0: Like reinvent every piece.
1: Yeah. It's okay to focus on something that you really want to learn about.
0: Yeah. It's funny how that all get, I think that all gets hidden over time. Like by the end of finit, if you actually finish something like that, like you will see the glaring stuff that you did not innovate on or like really mix up, but people won't, they'll see (laughs) the thing you focused on.
1: Yeah. I I mean, the other thing to also consider is like, obviously there's like, you're your own biggest critic. Mm. Um, but so many people are never going to see any of your... They're never going to notice your gla- what's your glaring, obvious flaws to you. Um, or, I mean, for me, personally, I can look at any drawing I've made
2: mm-hmm.
1: and be like, um, those eyes are stolen from Tintin. That nose is, uh, you know, from blah, blah, blah. These hands, I totally learned to draw these hands from following... This. Garfield. Yeah, from Gar <laughs> these are all Garfield hands. Um, you know, but like or like this mouth is a Moomin mouth. Uh I can look at that stuff and and pick out where my influences are. Mm. Um someone else can look at it and they think it looks like an entirely original drawing. Mm-hmm. And they don't see like tin tin eyes, they see something else. Uh because here's the secret. Um Oh, it's not really a secret. Uh, a secret. Okay, the secret is, I can try and draw like, um, Hergé, uh, creator of Tintin. Okay, but guess what? <laughs> that guy was way. He had his own style, and no matter how much I try to copy it, unless I like, am hyper diligent, it's not going to come out looking like he did it. It'll. It's passing through me as a filter. Yeah. So ultimately, it comes out looking like I made it, Mm -hmm. uh, but I was still using that as, as an influence and and that's what I was aiming for. Um, but I suck at drawing compared to him. So it's never going to come out looking like that. It'll come out. I, you know, it'll come out looking good. Mm. Um, cause now as an, an older artist, I have confidence in myself. Uh, but I, I can also like, it's, I never worry about like, what's my style. How am I gonna mm. find my own voice in this? Uh, I need to do everything so specifically, Tyler, that no one ever <laughs> th- thinks that I've I've copied anyone else or like, um, like that I didn't invent everything in this. Oh, I, th-
0: I I think that all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs>
0: I'm the worst about it.
1: Yeah, because guess what? If if you're doing it, it's probably gonna come out like you. Yeah. Um, if you, unless you're like such a great mimic. In which case, mm. like, I, why are you t- even trying to find your own style? You should just be making painting forgeries for yeah. millions of dollars and selling those.
0: <laughs> There's something, like, I feel, I feel as though it's, like, on a macro level, you'll find that you're not as unique as you think, but then on a micro level, you're more unique than you think, if you know what I mean. Like, you're not going to be the only person doing, like, comics that use... Uh, characters from other stuff like
1: sure like oh, the, yeah right. go, go on tumblr there's tons of people yeah. doing that um, like you won't find that like
0: blue ocean of untapped stuff that will be just you because surely someone else is doing it but then like in the way you do it like you're saying like it just it's going to come out as you no matter what i feel like that's the whole like trusting your gut that happens over time with making anything
1: yeah i think that happens and that that's a thing that uh i think is important to work on And just comes with time and practice and doing it and making mistakes. Mm -hmm. Be ready to, like, mess up and throw things away. Like, that's... I've definitely done that.
0: How how many pages is Die Homer? uh, It's 60 pages, I think. And how much work was that, ultimately? Like, do you have any concept of, like,
1: how much time you put into that? No, none at all. Like, (laughs) the very first half I made in, like a manic comics making fit in like a week and a half. Whoa. I just like sat down, started watching die hard over and over and over again. And yeah. like at five minutes at a time to be like, okay, let's break this down. Mm. Let's turn this into a scene. Here's what I want to draw. I'm going to thumbnail this out and then just go for mm. it. Mm. Um, which was great. And, uh, like, that's why it really felt like an exercise of like, I just felt like I was growing and learning constantly. And I was able to like, just shoot that out. Hmm. Um, this, the second half, I did not have that confidence in learning and ability because I was like, Oh, people really like this. I better make sure it's good. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of lost some of that, that momentum. Yeah. Uh, so it, it didn't quite, that ended up being a lot more work just because it, I, d- I don't know. I don't know why it all like of a sudden that's... felt like more work, but it like killed the momentum. So oh, then yeah. it was like, okay, I need to like discipline myself and like set aside time to like do a page, at, you know do a page a day, do with, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, which in itself is also a really great exercise to, to do at some point is like, I'm going to try and do one page a day of comics.
0: Yeah. There was some like internet meme quote going around like a month ago that was like, being like yo fuck inspiration it's all about like diligence and like self oh, i forget the w- w- word they use but like self-control and like, yeah forcing yourself to sit down every day and do that like a lot of quotes from famous writers are just like just fucking write.
1: yeah write every day yeah and the, i th- as, i think that's very much true mm. um but as someone who has i think experienced both things of like oh, the fountain of creativity has become uncorked. Mm-hmm. Time <laughs> to go. Um, if that's hitting you, like, yeah, ride that snake. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, God. Gotcha.
0: Don't sleep for two days.
1: Yeah. Well, no, get your get some sleep, please. Uh, sleep's so important. <laughs> C- kids, go to bed. Don't go to bed. Um, But ultimately, I think my admiration for people who can teach themselves discipline in a creative craft and just get up and do it and like churn it out is like, oh, that is like my biggest envy in the world. Of like I it's like being able to work out, you know, yeah, like yeah. if I could uh if I could get up every day and do thirty push ups and like ten pull ups and one sit-up or whatever. Uh-huh. And I, I'd be like, Tyler Muscle body guy or whatever. Oh, yeah. uh, like obviously I would look great, but I'm a, a lazy slob. So <laughs> <laughs> instead, it's like, who? I have to get out of bed, and then uh, oh, I'm gonna walk downstairs. Mm, oh, I'm all out of breakfast food. I guess I'll just have some potato chips and a oh, glass top. of milk. Um,
2: <laughs> but no, I think
0: like I have experienced that arc that you did on Die Homer in like every project, like stuff I haven't finished for sure stuff I'm still working on. It's like, you have that like flurry of inspiration where like the, it feels like the first half of what the project really is happens in like a week you're just like, yes, this and this and this, and then you make this thing and then you hit that like somehow like you finish that first rush or you close it and you like whatever your first goal was, you finish and then you're just like, then you've got this thing that is like holy and sacred that you've made and you love it. And now you're like, I have to do this again. Yeah and again and again and like also there's all this shit that i have to do like finishing work is is terrible
1: next book i make i'm never i it's, it's not coming out till it's done hmm. and i'm not going to take any breaks like it's if that's going to happen it's like okay i'm going to do die homer again but this time i'll fit i'm not going to stop halfway through to be like look guys look at what i made i'm going to share my work with you huh? just so like this is secret until it's done
0: uh, i've done that with um I try to do that with my biggest demon which is naming things because I like care a lot about names so if I'm naming like a, a company or a video game or like a character like if it's something that's really important like a lead character or the name of the game or whatever like I'll fucking I'll just spiral forever on it like I'll be looking up etymology of like different uh-huh. things and like mm-hmm, inspiring mm-hmm. like oh what is the I want more letter D's in here so it's a softer set like I yeah, get like, like
1: Shadow Dragon four twenty
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no but um <laughs> gotta pick my cool username I sure hey, I've done that <laughs> too recently
0: to say and then I fucking like I was picking my PS4 username and ended up with Teddy Corp Ooh. after like a day yeah. of fucking like what does this mean to me. Um, but when I named like Kyoto wild, which is a project that is on the back burner for me, but like, that was like, I just sat down and was like, all right, it's Sunday. I'm going to lock myself in my apartment and I'm not allowed to leave or go to sleep until I pick a name.
1: Oh, wow.
0: And it like works. This is
1: like, <laughs> I've never had that problem with naming. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. but I'm not like, mm. uh, I'm I'm no sparrow hawk uh wizard of earth who understands that naming is power. Um, wow. I just throw those names around willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh I I know this is your podcast, but I do have a question for you. Okay. Worst username? Um, I'll share mine as well. My <laughs> worst
0: username was my AOL instant messenger name. And... <laughs> It Thanks. was my, like... I had, like, three or four before that went out of fashion. And, like, my second one that I, like, used to talk to girls. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, I picked this name thinking, like, this is satisfactory uh-huh. for impressing... I'm the...
1: 13. <laughs> I know exactly what girls want to talk to. It <laughs> um, Arcane kal Ooh! Like, no one understands me.
0: And also, I'm Superman. I am,
1: I am the Arcane Superman. Yeah. I'm the... I'm the Superman who shoots magic missiles out of his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Wizard Superman. Uh, you? Well, there's a couple. At one point, via AOL RP chat forums, okay, I was an Iceman 2493, something like okay. that. Okay,
0: is that Iceman from Top Gun or Ice Gun, Iceman from comics? Uh, from
1: X-Men. Yeah, same. Mr. Bobby Drake. Um... I'm not really sure why Iceman was my favorite. I think because he was basically an avat—like he was a blank avatar
0: hmm. who was blue, like the design. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was like you could any like it was like just human form with yeah. like no defining characteristics at the time I, it was like when Iceman was bald yeah. he didn't have like hair or actual facial features he was just like oh okay anyone could be Iceman
0: right it's like early uh, Human Torch too
1: yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah. anyone could be Human Torch anyone could be Iceman body just on like fire <laughs> um, and then for a long time also I was a Ramza whoa 919 is
0: that Final Fantasy Tactics oh yeah
1: yeah oh.
0: Nine one nine. Okay, September nineteenth, nineteen 19- mm, eighty four. See, I'm I'm the asshole who like refuses to put numbers in my usernames. Oh I'm just yeah, like I want to be the only one.
1: Well, it was my birthday, so it's like,
2: hey. and guess that's what? my
0: pass. My birthday is my password.
1: So. Ramza was already taking my birthday. <laughs> my birthday. That's my password. Just type yeah, in my birthday. birthday. <laughs> it's actually a
0: pretty good password.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway,
0: well, point yeah. Point being. Naming naming things is my demon Where it's just like You have to sit down And be diligent And like Whatever that is Like closing the door On anything is really hard And finishing anything Is really hard
1: That's cool though You're like basically A wizard I mean that's only
0: Happened to me Like I've only Had that happen a couple times Where it like Actually works out <laughs> But it was like Fucking It works It works sometimes to yeah. sit down and be like I think that's the whole thing About diligence It's like there's a persistence To diligence Because like Being um, di- Or disciplined rather Is that like I find like you will sit down and be like, I'm just going to work today. I'm just going to work until 6 p.m. I'm just going to do this. And you get nothing done. Sure. Because you're
1: like, oh, I wonder what's going on Reddit right now. (laughs) Or or, like, (laughs) I haven't haven't checked Twitter in a bit. Oh. But there's like a temptation to feel like, oh, well, this isn't working for me. Yeah.
0: Right. And like I have to to stop or like I shouldn't bother because I was, I tried being disciplined for one day
1: and it didn't work out. Yeah, so never never going to try that again.
0: No. Yeah. No. Someone else can make things. That's
1: a good message for kids. Hey, kids. <laughs> if it you doesn't... know what? Just don't even try to be disciplined. It's for not going to work for out. For
0: most successful artists, if you sit down for a day and you don't get good at it, you should quit.
1: Yeah, definitely. Get, be ready to just quit if you're not great at it from the start. Um, no, I mean, that is a thing. That is a, That was a hard life lesson, mm. I think, for this guy, mm. is that... Um, and this is how I, ultimately, I feel like it doesn't matter how smart you are or how talented you are or how like high your IQ is when you start out in life. Uh, because ultimately really what does matter in life is like your diligence and how hard you're willing to work and do things because over the course of a large life, Small incremental work adds up to be way more of something to show hmm. than bits of inspiration. Yeah. Uh and I, I think that's like a lot of really, really fantastic, amazing artists are people who are just diligent. Hmm. Um I and you know, obviously there's people who are like, oh, you are this wonderkin who can just sit down and uh create magic or yeah, whatever. But, but what's, uh, what's even the point of talking about those people? You know? Yeah. No, you're, you're not going to be that person. You, yeah. um, so like ultimately if you weren't dealt the like gold card in life, you can still be this amazingly respected creative mm-hmm. person uh, just by devoting yourself to something and, and uh, doing a good job and caring yeah. Well, it's funny, oh. like,
0: I mean, and even people who, and I don't, maybe this is just me, like, trying to give myself a, make myself feel better, but, like, even people who are, like, prodigies or something, like, probably have other areas of the, either their work or their life that doesn't come as easily that people don't see,
1: right? Oh, Where yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, like, Mozart but... could not make toast.
0: <laughs> he was just like,
1: oh, I need toast so bad, but it's so hard, I always burn it.
0: Uh, his brother, Toastart, really, like... <laughs>
1: Toast start on the other hand. If only I could be more like Toast If only my brother... Oh.
0: No, but, like, I, I mean, th- I, I've talked about this before, but, like, Bo and I had this, where, like, I have... Like, for me, I have a lot of experience in areas that aren't, like, just one craft. Like, I'm very much someone who feels like a generalist,
1: mm-hmm. like,
0: and I feel like I didn't start in games at a young age, and all this shit, where it's, like, you really have to f- discover where you where your work has gone into and where you are good at. So even with Prodigies, it's like,
2: oh, well, there's, like...
0: There's different areas of benefit that you get from whatever you're doing, I guess. Um, but to me, what you're saying is like it's like a more eloquent way of saying like there's
1: there's no shortcuts in life, kid. I don't think there are. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: It's just like the work is one to one. Usually,
1: you get what you give. Yeah. Is that the the new
0: radicals? The new radicals, new
2: radicals say that.
0: Um, well, no, like like I'll see a friend and it's like and artists talk about this all the time. Like you see an amazing piece and you're like, how long did that take you? And it's like, well, first of all, they've been doing it for 10 years or whatever. Sure. But second of all, like even a painting, like usually some people do speed paints and it looks amazing, but still it's like, still it's like an unbroken hour of work is a lot of work or an unbroken week of work. is
1: a lot of work. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, like I have my roommate, Mm. uh, Becky, uh, she's an amazingly talented artist. Um, and she can just like sit down and paint, and like a masterpiece <laughs> flows out onto the paper mm-hmm. um but I knew Pe- I knew Becky before she had even like picked up a paintbrush mm. um, and so much of it, I think just came down to like confidence and the fact that she, as long as I've known her basically painted every single day mm. and would like just had she's so good at just knowing how to do it because she's done it so many times mm-hmm. like i uh i, I forget like i think she painted like i know within the course of one year she painted over like 150 paintings whoa yeah she like yeah. prolific um yeah, yeah and it it makes sense to just be like, "Oh, of course you could sit down and just go because this is uh, like you've trained yourself to to like mm. be awesome at this, yeah um that being said, I think Becky also like really started out as a super awesome talented person <laughs> um who's amazing and i love did de- love to death um but there's it's you know also so cool to be able to see that and be like, oh, yeah, this is, like...
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to finding your talents and finding your voice and, like, what you have a propensity to make, for sure. Yeah. Like, but that's not... That gets you, like, nowhere. That's just, like... That's, like, your base stat for your character and then you actually have to level them up or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's like... That's me. I've just been coasting on base stats (laughs) for so long. (laughs) Uh, At least for, like, you know, comics are things like that. It's just like, Oh, every once in a while, I'll try and make a painting and do some comics. Uh, mm. I think my, I, I really did focus on programming for a long time though, but mm. that was not of my, um, own personal drive because I went to school for that. So I had a carrot in front of me to mm. teach me how to be a good boy at programming. Um, well, it's fine. I mean, like you feel that way, but
0: it, it's also an element of like, you know, the first thing I wanted to talk about with you was like, whoa, you're like a good programmer and you're a good artist. And it's like, you may not feel like you're as good at one of those things as someone else that you might admire at them. Sure. But it's like, I feel that about almost everything. Like, because I'm a programmer and a game designer and like, I do writing and I like, do try to do modeling and all this shit. I'm like, I did music Andy in college, music. And I guess is that. Well, when I did this this show with Austin wintery we, we got into that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that I studied music for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot
1: that I've trained myself to have a beautiful voice.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, no, but, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I feel like that is a hard thing about doing your own projects on solo work is that when you talk about, like, how you have to touch everything, at least with games, particularly with games because it's so interdisciplinary. Like, if you end oh, up yeah. touching everything, like... Just, just not time. There's just not time to be really good at stuff. And it's taken me a long time to come to peace. I'm still not totally at peace with like, I'm not a master of, eh, eh, I'm not a master maybe of like anything in particular, mm-hmm. but I know all of this different stuff. And like, that makes me good at, good in some respect and like some sort of like.
1: Oh, I mean, it makes you great in many respects, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, Teddy Fan Club over Stop here. So, it. like. <laughs>
0: Um. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's the self-loathing. Yeah. So like you know, persistence and self-loathing, and that gets you.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, self-loathing slash critique. Self-critique. Self-critique positive, is sorry, probably yeah. the more positive term. I go.
0: You're good at not going dark as quickly as I do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like uh-huh. earlier when I was talking about dying. Oh, Teddy. Sorry. We're back. Oh yeah. Oh that thing. Um, <laughs> forgot about that conversation. uh that reminds me, though, Teddy, mm. I feel like you can add a new skill to your list. Okay. Which is very good at podcasting. So, uh, and I, I can't say that with utmost confidence because, to be fair, I've only... Sorry, admission time, folks. I've That's only listened to one episode of Playscape. That's a lot. Okay. Yeah. But I have a perfectly good reason for it <laughs> because I listen to... Ear episode with Sarah Mm -hmm. And I was like oh this is just This is like hanging out with Teddy And Sarah Mm. Except for when I am speaking out loud To the computer They don't respond back (laughs) And I need to remind myself Oh hey that's a recording dummy I should Um, spend time with them Yeah, Yeah. Um, So I actively avoided Listening to any Playscape podcasts Mm. So that I could bank them after you went to montreal and i was like i'm gonna wait till teddy leaves and then i'm gonna listen to all of these whenever i miss teddy um and i'm very excited about that so thank you for making this podcast (laughs) oh
0: sure man i mean even this podcast is exactly what we've been talking about like i picked my battles and i found ways to be shortcutty everywhere like (laughs) well i mean for real like um I, I got in touch with Idle Thumbs because I thought maybe they could help me and it's like, okay, I don't have to build a website. Oh, nice. I don't have to know how to upload I mean, they there is a pipeline that I had to learn for how to upload shit. Um I didn't have to um well, I, I could have had to find like an artist for the logo, but ultimately Jake Rodkin and Lily Nishida ended up doing it for me because they've done other Idle Thumbs art before. Sure. They were so just like, like yeah, and I just we like, got you <laughs> I just made a gut decision about the musician because I went to a show at Glitch City and saw Omniboy, the, the guy whose mm-hmm. music I use, and I was like that just picked it and then like I'm like I'm gonna use the same song every episode, I'm gonna use the same logo every episode. Website is already taken care of, the pipeline for uploading and editing is like two hours max. Yeah. Um and it has to be at least at the beginning it was bi weekly, which was fucking stupid, but I'm actually kind of glad I did it. And now it's the constraint has been loosely <laughs> <laughs> um weekly ish. Like if I if I'm not doing it weekly, I'm I'm falling behind and I have to catch up. Yeah. Um and that's a yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm any good at this. I've gotten a little better,
2: but
1: I feel like I would listen to this podcast. Okay, like then... this one specifically. But mm. I'd probably be like, "Man, that Tyler guy sounds like a real dick bag."
0: <laughs> well, I'm gonna put the dick bag filter on your oh, voice. Oh, thank you. Yeah.
1: I'm gonna come out sounding like a real nice gentleman. <laughs> Whenever there's a pause or an um, it
0: just auto turns it into like a
2: <laughs> <or> like. <laughs>
0: Oh, you're going like I was going like j- like jerk anime like ha! Oh, okay. I know what I'm doing and you don't. <laughs> you think you're a better podcaster than I am? Yeah. I may die Homer.
1: I a die Homer and my uncle is Dr. Oak. <laughs> um That's what? my that's my understanding of anime dickbag is just Gary Oak.
0: Wait, what's he from?
1: Pokemon. Gary oh. Oak. King Dick. <laughs>
0: it's a good glitch city reference oh yeah yeah because glitch city is a stolen name from pokemon
1: sorry game freaks
0: <laughs> well that was a constraint we named glitch city in one day same sort of thing oh, so a of um anyway i think that we should now that we're talking about the podcast that we're on i think we should probably stop
1: but yeah i really i'm sorry i sidetracked your no. whole podcast
0: no, this is probably the last episode, so this, this is, is like... This
1: is where podcasts get meta. We
0: are minutes away from the final minutes of this podcast ever.
1: Should we just sit in silence until it ends?
0: <laughs> it's like just going to end itself.
1: Yeah.
2: No. No,
0: I think we'll end there. Um, yeah, thanks for doing this. Like This podcast has been uh, fun for me to do, and even in low scope mode, like more of my life than I anticipated, but like, I'm glad that I'm doing it. And I'm glad that I've gotten to do it with people who, like, I care about. And, like, I get to listen to you on this. Now I have you. Now I've captured you in my box. And I can, like, open it up and be, like,
1: be my friend again. Uh (laughs) In my lonely chamber. Oh, no, Teddy. If you're listening to this, all you need to say is I miss you. You know, (laughs) should you need us?
0: Don't give up, buddy we're here for you 2016 yeah um
1: just reach out i'll be here for you teddy call me call me right now if you're listening to this pick up the phone and be like hey tyler
0: how's it going bud cool well let's let's sign off we love you future tyler
1: oh uh we love you future teddy <laughs>
0: uh thanks for doing this man
1: yeah thanks for having me this is i'm gonna miss you <laughs>
0: there you go that's Tyler and that's the last conversation um, if you would like to talk to Tyler you can find him on Twitter at Tyler J. Hutchison that's H-U-T-C-H-I-S-O-N um, if you want to check out Die Homer you can at diehomer.com uh, and We Draw WeDrawComics is WeDrawComics.com uh, if you want to reach out to me uh, please do uh, I'm on Twitter at TeddyDief D-I-E-F-, D-I-E-F. Uh, You can also email me at playscape at idlethumbs.net. I'd love to hear what you have thought of the show. Um, And I'd love to hear... I don't know. I would love to hear from you because it's possible I will do this again. Um, I'm not going to do it again right away. I'm going to get back into making uh, non-talky things, uh, focusing on my work at Square and uh, my new life here and uh, some other other side artistic pursuits. But... um, I would like to come back, I think, and do this again. Do a playscape Montreal, perhaps, because this is the new city that I live in. I'm getting to know the scene here and how it's different. Um, But as for Los Angeles, this is it. I'm going to do one epilogue in a couple weeks. Uh, I have a conversation recorded with my good friend Anthony Carboni, who is a host uh, and former game reviewer, and he's done all sorts of things. Uh, anthony has his own podcast but anyway i'll I'll talk about that in the episode but uh we had a conversation that was marred by some technical difficulties and i've managed i think to clean up the audio to the point where i wouldn't release it as a proper episode because i think that would be doing you all an injustice uh to demand that if you want to have all the canon episodes you have to listen to it but i think it is listenable so uh look for that i'm going to give it a few weeks so if you are subscribed to Playscape on your podcast app or however you are listening to this um, or bookmarking it or whatever, like don't delete this yet because there'll be one more coming where I will try to start to, uh, I don't know, get a little more space and look at how it's like a month after, sort of the epilogue. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess I need to sign off now. Sign out of, sign out of your ears for good. Or not? I forget. Um, uh, if you've liked this, please keep in touch. Keep up. Um, Twitter is really where I'm most active, and then of course you'll, I hope, hear from me uh, as soon as we, whenever we get around to announcing our next project, uh, our game at Square Enix. Um, this is a podcast that has been about process and life and uh, the scene in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a city that. I find to be uh, incomparable, incomparable. Uh, it has a very particular energy that envelops you and surrounds you in the the, the spirit of making entertainment and uh, putting yourself out there and having a passion for doing a thing and people who've come from far and wide to make it, to make it an entertainment. Uh, and maybe the most traditionally that's like actors uh, coming to to make it in the big city of L.A. and and get and be a movie star or whatever, but um, that pervades, and I, I think it pervades in uh, in the film industry, in comics, in uh, YouTubers a little bit now, in music, and certainly in video games, uh, at least in the independent scene, and from the people I know from AAA. Um, and that's about it. If you get a chance to visit the city, I recommend it. Um, if you get a chance to make games, I recommend it. Uh, and if you are not a maker of games or of, of any artistic pursuit, um, it's super cool that you're listening to this as well, because I think that, um, people, uh, an audience who cares about the creators or is curious about the creators and wants to connect with them in some way is in my mind, the best audience there is. And for me, the players that have reached out to us, that's the best type of player to get to talk to, Uh, the ones who care that we exist and that these things are not created in a vacuum. They're created by people. They are created in a place uh, surrounded by other people who may or may not even be working on that thing. And that is the DNA of the stuff that we all watch and play and read, uh, myself included. And I've learned to have a great passion for getting to talk to people who make stuff that I admire and I sure as hell admire a, a lot of people um, and aspire to be, to be better. Um, I'm going to let you guys go, guys and gals. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, I will talk to you in the epilogue, but until then, I hope you're all well. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to Playscape LA. Bye!